0: After a number of these occasions, she visited our doctor, and in pretty short order, she was assigned to Dr. Atala, and we learned she had a cyst in her stomach, and it would have to be removed. We met with the surgeon, and it was scheduled for the 16th of April. In addition to Dr. Atala doing the surgery, there was a cancer specialist who would be there because they both met with us and said, there's a high probability Joyce may have cancer. We just don't know. And so on the 16th, we gathered at Kaiser Permanente Panorama City, and Joyce went into surgery. Joy came by to see us, and that was great to have her with us, and my children were there, sons and daughters-in-law. After over an hour, the surgeons came out and uh, had a smile on their face, and they said, wow, it went great. A normal surgery, there is no cancer. And we gave thanksgiving. Now, I don't know exactly what I did, but I know I profusely thanked the doctors. And I know that we turned to one another and hugged and cried. And at some point, we paused and gave praise to God and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. In fact, Joyce was just back to see her surgeon on Friday, and she's doing great. And praise be to God. Now this is Thanksgiving Sunday, as Ted said earlier, and I want to talk to you a bit about Thanksgiving. And it's no accident, although Thanksgiving is a uniquely American tradition, it's no accident the, the early pilgrims, when they came over here, set aside a day to give thanks because they were people of this book. They read the Bible. And even if you're a casual reader of the Bible, if you're paying attention, you realize one theme from beginning to end is Thanksgiving. In fact. I want to go to the third book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus. You were probably reading it earlier this week, right, as good Baptists. And uh, in this section of the giving of the law, there are lots of conversations going on about different feasts. And Israel had lots of feasts, and one of the feasts was the fellowship feast or a feast of thanksgiving. And I won't read all of it to you, lest you fall asleep. But let me read the beginning in another section. In uh, Leviticus uh, 11:7-11, this is the ritual, says the Scripture, of the sacrifice of the offering of well-being or fellowship offering that one may offer to the Lord. If you offer it for thanksgiving, you shall offer it with mixed oil, unleavened bread, cakes, etc., etc. And it goes on and on to talk about the food that you actually bring. And then it talks about the meat. Now, here's the verse. In verse 15, it says this. And the flesh of your thanksgiving offering, in other words, your meat sacrifice of well-being, shall be eaten on the day it is offered. You shall not leave any of it till morning. Now, we're coming up on Thanksgiving Day, and you're going to eat turkey or whatever your custom is. How many of you think you're going to overeat? I've got both hands up. You're going to pig out. Now, if you're like me at this stage of life, I try not to overeat. And so I'll probably do well with dinner. You know, I'll get through the dinner and say, I think I made it. I'm not in absolute pain yet. And then they're going to bring out the desserts. And I will enter into that zone of pain. Let me tell you something. It's okay to pig out on Thanksgiving Sunday. I never realized that until I was studying this week or Thanksgiving Thursday. Uh, It's okay to pig out. Listen to what Old Testament scholar John H. Hayes says about this verse. Verse 15. This meant that extravagance, even gluttony, for the day was a requirement. Thanksgiving was a joyful celebration. Did you catch that phrase where he said, you have the meat, what do you have to do with the meat? Eat all of it before the end of the day, before morning. Now, thank God we're not under the law. You don't have to finish the turkey on Thursday, but what if you did? It's the law, honey. Eat another bite. I can't. Eat. God said eat. I'm, I'm serious, look it up later, uh, Leviticus 7.15, you have to eat it all. So, I just want to say it's okay to pig out on Thanksgiving Sunday, you got that? Just eat until you're just rolling on the floor and writhing in pain, and with uh, food, because you say, well, God said if this is a Thanksgiving feast, and we can just eat and eat and eat. Now, I do want to talk to you about Thanksgiving today, but more than Thursday, I want to talk to you about living a life of gratification. Now, in our culture, and especially in the church culture, the word gratification has sometimes taken on a very bad meaning. We can be in for self-gratification and live a selfish life. You know that's not a biblical life. So let me just set that aside. I'm talking about gratification in a healthy sense. The word gratification means to delight. It means to be satisfied. It means it's a good, rich word like grace and gratitude and gratification. And graciousness and generosity. It's one of those kinds of words. And it can be a great word. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes on a day like Thanksgiving, when you finally get home and you're exhausted from wherever you've been and whatever you've eaten, you may sit down and you say, you know, I really feel good. This was a great day. I was with people I love. I'm stuffed, like the turkey was. And uh, I, I just have that pleasant, satisfied feeling. Have you been there? You know that feeling? We've all been there that's gratification in a good sense this is good this is okay and i would like to like to talk to you today actually about how to have that kind of gratification and we're going to be in psalm 100 and you have a bible in front of you or if you choose you can uh, i'd really like you to have the insert that's in your bulletin there's a an outline there of where we're going and i want to give you this morning right out of psalm 100 an invitation to gratification And I want to encourage you that a biblical lifestyle as a Christ follower is a lifestyle where real living is thanksgiving, not just for this season or this week or this day, but real living is thanksgiving so that it's my hope that as a follower of Christ, you have in in the very inner core of your being, one of your most critical values is thanksgiving. I'm a person of thanks. I'm a person of grace. I'm a person of gratitude so that you actually live your life all the time with an attitude of gratitude. I think Psalm 100 can help us in this. It's a famous Thanksgiving psalm, and I want to uh, lift it up to you today. So let's begin with this invitation for gratification. And we begin by making a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. Now, I've given you several translations. We're going to primarily be only in Psalm 100, And it's interesting to look at this in a variety of versions. I I like the King James Version on this one. So I've given you the old version, you know, that Jesus actually used. Well, some Baptists think that. But um, let's let's look at this um, verse 1 in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise. One version says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Another one says, the King James says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you earth. And then the um, message paraphrase says, on your feet now, applaud God. Kind of a fresh way to look at it. Now, I have a question. As you look at that statement, shout for joy to the Lord or make a joyful noise unto the Lord, the question is this. You don't need to answer out loud, but think about it. Is that statement, when it says shout to the Lord or make a joyful noise, is that a question? Or when the Bible says, make a joyful noise, is that a suggestion? It might be a good idea if you would make a joyful noise. Or is it, uh, you know, in the subjunctive, well, it's possible that, you, you know, you may make a joyful noise. Or is it in the imperative, is it a commandment? Make a joyful noise. Now, actually, as you go through this psalm, there are seven imperatives or commandments. And the psalmist is not saying this might be a good idea if you feel like it. It's actually written in a grammatical sense as a commandment. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, I'm glad I like the King James because it says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say sing beautifully, thank God. It doesn't say play well on an instrument, although I wish I could. It just says make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. And so I encourage you in this opening line, in the invitation to gratification, do you make a joyful noise to the Lord? because part of real living is thanksgiving unto God. Now, I was reading one of the commentaries I always go to when I read the Psalms. It's a very uh, rich commentary. And the guy said in there that as the people of God, of course, this Psalm is written by a Jew to the Jews. It's a Jewish Psalm. He said, as they went into the temple to worship the Lord, they went, and he quote, he said, in solemn procession. I've been around those kind of people, haven't you? And I read his commentary, and I said, I must be misreading this. And then I read the psalm. I said, how could you read this psalm and go in solemn procession anywhere? I don't get it. And sometimes there's tension in churches. I've been in these kinds of churches where, you know, you're supposed to come into worship and sit down and be quiet. Now, there is a place for silence, and we've talked about that, and we've used that in services. But there's also a place to what does it say here to do? Shout to the Lord. Now, I was wondering if we actually believed the Bible and obeyed it, how would we do that? And I'm going to wait for some feedback because I'm not sure that we really have been raised in the tradition of how would we actually live out verse 1 at First Baptist if we were going to do this? I've got all day. What? You good say amen? Amen. amen. What else? Woo! Here, let me hear it again. Alright, that's a brave soul. That's a shout. That's a joyful noise. Praise the Lord. What's another one? The kids sang. That's the kids. What about you? You were playing, so you, you, you know, you were making a joyful noise and a good one too, David. What else? The middle section here is, uh, clapping, clapping singing, I mean, would it be possible to make a joyful noise right now to the Lord? All right. we got a few that could, yeah. You see, according to Psalm 1, and it is a psalm of thanksgiving. That's not Steve's name. The psalmist put it on there. This is a thanksgiving psalm. And it opens by saying, Shout! Make a joyful noise to the Lord. And as I give you an invitation to gratification, the first step is to make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know, make the windows crack and the the lights sway back and forth with all the ruckus we are because we are happy in Jesus. Now, I could get into the sports metaphors and how happy some of you get when your team wins and what you do, but I'm not going to go down that road today, but just, just plant the seed. Some of you know how to make a joyful noise in the right context. You just don't do it in church. So... And I'm not saying you shouldn't, I'm just saying, why don't you? Now, let's move on. Uh, Make a joyful noise is the first part of this invitation to uh, gratification. The second one, of course, is worship the Lord. And the psalmist has a couple of words here, and I'll give you two different translations. It says, worship the Lord, a life of gratification. Is it service or worship? One's translation says, serve the Lord with gladness. Another translation says, worship the Lord with gladness. And if you go through lots of translations, you're going to find one of these two words. Which is it? Well, the old translations tended to say, serve the Lord with gladness. That's what the King James says. The newer ones, like the NRSV and the NIV, etc., say, worship the Lord. Kind of stuck. W- which is it? Well, it's helpful to read Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And let me do that for you because Paul kind of points us in the direction here. You, you know the verse. Paul says, Therefore, by the mercies of God, I uh, you are to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God, which one translation says, which is your spiritual service of worship. Service of worship. Some say your spiritual act of worship or your act of service. And again, there's that dilemma. Well, if you're a follower of Christ... Then the Bible says, you are not your own. You are what? You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God, what? In your mind? No, it says in your body. Glorify God in your body. So this body belongs to the Lord. And as I use this body in an act of service, you saw a lot of stuff on the screen from 40 Days of Community and other things where people are serving the Lord. When you walked in here, as you present your body to God in worship, that is a spiritual act of worship or service. Put it either way you want. Because you're using your body to serve the Lord. That is worship. And when you're worshiping the Lord, you are serving the Lord. And so we come before His presence and we worship the Lord. And it's it's a rich experience. As the Jews celebrated their various feasts, They were both serving and worshiping the Lord. I wish we had time to go into the book of Exodus where this word is used of the holy ordinances, actually. As you come into the house of worship here at the Old First, this hundredth psalm helps us realize that when I worship God or when I serve God, when you prepare a meal for someone, as you do that and use your body in that way, that's both service and worship. And we have tended to remove ourselves from thinking our bodies can be used in this way, but Friends, what we're doing now is worship, but as you go out and minister and are used by the Lord to bless someone else, that too is a spiritual or service and worship. Now, what's the next one? Well, we, we uh, come into the Lord's presence with a shout of joy. We come into His presence with worship or service, and we come into His presence with singing, with singing. The next verse says this, Come before the Lord with singing, or come into His presence with with singing. Now, I'm not going to sit on this. When you know all about this, we always, when we're in corporate worship, we sing together. Sometimes in our small groups, we sing together. Now, this psalm is called the Old 100th, just like this church is the Old 1st. And there is a hymn, and I'd like for you to find that brown book in front of you. It's called a hymnal. Some of you never... Lucian, raise it up so everybody sees. Well, not the Bible, but this brown book. That's a hymnal. Thank you. Pull out your hymnal. I want to turn to number 381. Ted is going to lead us. In uh, number 381, we're going to sing, I think, first... Paul, come on up here. Yeah, Ted's going to lead us in this. Trust me. Uh, Number 381 is this hymn. And this is one of the oldest hymns in the hymnal. This song is over 450 years old. And uh, it was written, and let me tell you a bit about it as this person wrote it, influenced by Psalm 100... They were in in uh, Europe, and at that time, this was called one of the Geneva jigs. Think Geneva, Switzerland, and there were a bunch of popular tunes out there, and somebody took that popular tune. Yeah, there were popular tunes 450 years ago. Uh, somebody put, took that popular tune, put this hymn to it, and so some Christians wouldn't sing this because it was, quote, a Geneva jig. But you're open-minded. You'd sing, sing a jig, wouldn't you? So let's sing this together. Thanks.
1: Should we stand up? Let's do that. Let's stand up. We're going to sing verses 1, 3, and 4. All people that on earth do dwell Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice Him serve with birth His praise foretell Come ye before Him and read. Enter then his gates with praise. Approach with joy his courts unto. Praise Lord and bless his name always.
0: seated. Great job. Thanks, Ted and Paul, for helping out there. So, if you'll accept my invitation to gratification, you're going to greatly increase your ability to be a thankful person and have an attitude of gratitude as you make a joyful noise to the Lord, as you serve and worship the Lord, and as you sing before the Lord. Three simple things that you can do And they will greatly enrich and increase your ability to be a gracious and grateful person. Now, I've talked about an invitation for gratification. I would like to switch over to the why. You may say, well, why should I be thankful? What's the motivation for gratification? I want to give you two words, and I keep it simple because I need it simple, and it'll help you remember. And the first word is this, exodus. The first word is Exodus. Why should we be thankful people? What what reason is there that we should give thanks to the Lord? And the word is Exodus. Now, as you look at verse 3 in Psalm 100, it says this, "'Know ye that the Lord is God, it is He that made us, and not we ourselves.'" Or, in another translation, "'For we are His people, we are His well-tended sheep.'" We are God's people. Now, when you read that, verse 3 in the psalm, you probably think like I do, well, God made us, we didn't make ourselves. It's talking about creation, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Not so. God made all people, God made all the earth. We, of course, know that, but not all the earth praises and thanks God. What this is actually talking about is the Exodus, and he's trying to help the Jews remember why they're special people. Now, sometimes the younger you are, the more likely it is you don't like history. And that you think, well, celebrate 125 years. Let's look forward. Let's not talk about the past. I don't want to live in the past. Uh, let's move on with it. We're future-oriented. And there's, there's a value to being future-oriented. But the psalmist here has his rearview mirror out, and he's looking backward. And I want to take you to Exodus chapter... Um, I think it's Exodus chapter 19... Where the psalmist is actually talking about, they've uh, the Exodus out of Egypt, and they've come to Mount Sinai, and Moses is giving the law, and here Moses is going to say to the people these words in verses five and six, Exodus 19, speaking to the Jews. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples of the earth. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. Do you get the picture? As the psalmist says, we are God's people. God made us. What He's saying is that, look, God. He's speaking to Jews now. In the context, remember, this is a Jewish psalm to Jewish people. He's saying, Jews, how did you get to be God's treasured possession? And here's the question: You don't need to answer out loud, but think about it. Did the Jews come? Be God, God, did the Jews become God's chosen children because they decided to? A Or B, did the Jews become God's chosen children because God decided to choose them? And of course, you know it's the latter. The psalmist here is reminding God made us, we didn't make ourselves. In other words, go back to Mount Sinai. God chose us. Don't you remember, he's saying to his people, don't you remember that you were in in Egypt? You were making bricks uh, bricks for the Pharaoh out of straw and mud. You were slaves in the mud pits when God took you out of Egypt You came up against the Red Sea. You thought you were going to die because the Pharaoh's chasing you. He changed his mind. And the army's after you, and there's that wall of water. And God opened up the sea. You got across to the other side. It closed up, and you were safe. It's amazing. God brought you to Mount Sinai. God took you across the wilderness when you thought you'd starve to death and die of thirst. Moses hit the rock. The water came out. The manna came down from heaven. God fed you for 40 years. And now... God has given us this land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. God made you. You didn't make yourself. Can you can you feel the emotion build as he said this? As you give thanks to the Lord, give thanks you're not a slave in Egypt anymore. Now, my question is, while you've never, at least I've never physically been to Egypt, did you come out of Egypt? you know what he's talking about here? That God made you, you didn't make yourself? I do. In fact, it reminds us of the Scripture that... Uh, that Simon Peter wrote to his congregation sometime later. Uh, Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are, he's speaking to the church, you, you and me, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You understand that? God made you. It says, why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Can't you say amen to that? Hallelujah! At least in my life, I can see before and after. There has been an exodus out of sin and darkness into light and life. Jesus has come to give me the abundant life. And so, how can I have an attitude of gratitude? What is my motivation for gratification? Why? it's the fact that I've been redeemed. I've been saved. I've been brought into the light, out of the darkness. There's been an exodus. There's been an exodus from the old life to the new life, and so I can give thanks. So what is the motivation to give thanks? It's just not turkey on a plate. It's what God has done in our lives in creating us into this new people, the body of Christ, a holy nation. And I can, I can say hallelujah. I can shout and make a joyful noise. Now, one other word, and that word is security. What have you gained? The Exodus is a look backwards. It's saying, you know, I used to be in Egypt, but now I'm out of Egypt. Now we look forward and say, well, what have I gained? And I want to talk about security. Uh, When God brought the Jews out of Egypt, he didn't leave them in the wilderness. He gave them a promised land. It was a wonderful place that he gave to them. So it is, Jesus says, when you come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I'll give you shalom. I'm going to give you the abundant life. Jesus is not trying to put us in a prison cell where we're denied everything good. He's saying, I want you to enter into the, to the kingdom of God, the new life. He gives us security. Now, the psalmist says in verse 5, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to uh, 13 generations, right? No, to all generations. It's interesting to look at this psalm, and I remind you that the Jewish people were a small people, a weak nation most of the time. Not huge. In the psalm, in Psalm 100, I want you to notice with me how it starts and how it stops. At the beginning of the psalm, it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Who? All you Jews. It says, all the earth. It starts in an amazing way where it's not a little nation's song. It's a song about make a joyful noise, everybody. And then it concludes by saying, why? God is faithful and loves All generations. He loves all people. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's a big psalm because it's a big God. And he's saying, God is bigger than you, Jewish nation. God's called you to be his people. But he's bigger than you are. And it reminds us, God's not a Baptist. He's bigger than Baptists. He's bigger than Protestants. He's bigger than Catholics. God's a big God. And we are to celebrate him and enjoy because he has made us his own. My goodness, what a rich psalm that invites us into praise and gratification. So, again, why should I give thanks? Well, what has God done for you? If God hasn't done anything for you, you probably can't give thanks. Now, I want to encourage you that a life of of gratification is real living. Real living is thanksgiving. I started this comments a few moments ago by talking about Joyce's experience. Now, she received wonderful care, and we're extraordinarily happy and grateful for where she's at physically right now. But let's, let's backtrack. Let me set up something different. Let's say the doctor had uh, come out very quickly and said, Steve, I'm sorry, but I have really bad news. The cancer is everywhere. We can't remove the cyst, and uh, Joyce doesn't have very long. What if he'd have said that? Would I be standing here today giving thanks to God? What if she had passed away this summer? I can scarcely think of the thought, but that does happen, doesn't it? In fact, many of us, it's it's happened in this church, and many of us watched Supernanny on Friday night, didn't we? And we saw Antoinette there. And it was just about a year ago that Dwight found out he had stomach cancer, and now he's gone, and his two children are left. How can you give thanks when that happens? Well, if your thanksgiving is based just on a full belly or a new car or new clothes or even great health, then you're going to be up and down in thanksgiving. Sometimes you'll be on top and say thanks, and other times you're going to be grumbling at God. But if you come back to Psalm 100, it doesn't really talk about food and bellies and clothes, does it? It talks about God, and it talks about God's love for us. And that God has brought us out of darkness into light. That God is always there. God is faithful. God won't let us down. God has put us into his kingdom, and he's put us into the body of Christ, and he's with us. And so this morning, you may have great physical blessings, as do I, to give thanks for. And give thanks. That's great. But it may be that you're like Antoinette, and you're really struggling right now because life is caved in on you, and it's difficult. But I think you can still give thanksgiving because God is with you and God is providing for you and God is placing around you people in the church and Christian sisters and brothers who care for you and will help you as you go through journey, your journey because God loves you and his love never ends. That's, the way the, that's what the psalm says. It's to all generations. So I want to encourage you this morning to give thanks. And I'd like for us to stand. I've put a paraphrase of the psalm up here. and We're going to read it off the screen. And uh, let's conclude this portion of our worship by reading Psalm 100 in uh, this version. Are you ready? Okay. It begins with the word on. Are you ready? Let's read this with some uh, element of thanksgiving, okay? On your feet now. Applaud Applaud God. Let's do that. All right. Let's keep reading. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourself into his presence. Know this, God is God, and God, God. He made us. We didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking, praising, thanking, worshiping him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love. Loyal always and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The ushers come forward. Thank you.
2: Amen. Thanks for that message, Pastor Steve. You know, our health situation or our financial situation may not be the greatest, but we still have reason this week to be thankful to God. We're thankful to God for Him, for Him, and not about the circumstances. Well, we're going to do something very special at this moment. Um, we're going to receive the offering in a very special way today. And our ushers have come forward, and just a little bit after I pray, they're going to dismiss you row by row to come up and uh, bring your offering to the Lord. But we're not only going to do that. When you come up to bring your offering today, we have these uh, little green cards. And what we're going to do is we're going to fill out these green cards, and we have some folks that are helping us. I'm going to ask Matthew and Don and Elsie to come forward. They're going to take these cards that you fill out, and they're going to place it on this Christmas tree back here. So this Christmas tree looks a little bit neglected. And we want to have this tree full of cards. And what these cards are going to have are names. And these are the names of the people that you've been writing down on this during the service, Uh, people that you're going to be inviting to uh, come to church, Uh, people that you've been praying for for a while to accept the Lord. You're going to come down here, bring your offering, and going to fill out their names on these cards. And when you fill out these names on the cards, they're going to hang this on the tree. And we're going to be doing this for a while. We're going to be doing this every Sunday. And you're going to see how full this tree is. If this tree is not full, our attitude is going to be, you know what? We're going to be praying for more people. We're going to be writing down more names of people that we're going to be inviting. And every week we're going to have different colors. So our color for today is green. And we want to see this tree full, full of folks, full of people, full of friends, full of neighbors, people we're inviting, people we're praying for, to accept Christ this Christmas season, because that is the mission of the church. That's why we're here. Amen. I'm going to pray now, before the ushers dismiss you, row by row to come up here and bring the offering, and fill out the names on these cards. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this message. I thank you for the reminder that we need to be thankful and grateful, Lord God, no matter the circumstances. And also, Lord God, as this year comes to a close, we prepare for a great harvest, Lord God. Yes, many wonderful things have happened this year, but they are not more important than one person accepting Christ because the Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven when someone gives their life to you, when someone is saved, Lord God. And that's the mission of the church. So this morning, as folks come forward to bring their offerings, we ask you to bless the offerings, bless those that give. And Lord God, just bring to our minds, friends and family and neighbors, people that we've uh, crossed paths with, but haven't made the effort to talk to about Christ, haven't made the effort to invite Lord God, we do this. We do this so we can hold each other accountable. We do this, Lord God, so we can bring the focus back to the mission of the church is bringing people to you, Lord God. So we just thank you for this time, Lord God. We ask you to bless it now. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen.